podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Euro Incision podcast. We're with you again, um, discussing all things that happened in Europe and of course uh, an in-depth focus on Liverpool's um, back on track kind of performance. So many positives from that one. Um, I'm going to ignore who Rangers are and what they are. And joining me on this podcast... Um, it is the ever-charming, the ever-insightful and the lovable guy on Anfield Index. I used to call him the James Milner of Anfield Index because he could do so many jobs, but does them good. So, you know, um, that is, um, uh, you know, so he really can't be James Milner, but it's it's Mr. Guy Brinkle. Guy, welcome back. I was going to say that, just be mean now. <laughs> uh, but thank you. It's good to be back and it's nice that, uh, let, let's be honest, Rangers are the best team in the world, and we beat them seven-one. That's how I feel today. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. So you know what? Let's let's kick this off. I mean, let's look at the team lineup. So looking at that team, I mean, what did you make of it? What did you make of the formation? How did you feel going into it? Because I felt like, um, if I'm being absolutely brutally honest with you, um, obviously after the the loss against Arsenal, which is quite disappointing. And then it's kind of sandwiched between the big one against Man City. Um it was it was it's a strange one because to me it felt like this Rangers game was the game where Jurgen Klopp could afford to be a bit experimental because of course the two big injuries to Diaz and Trent Alexander Arnold. He he was allowed to be experimental because of the nature of the opposition. However, it was important that even if he experiments the players have to be on fine form because of the game that's coming up ahead and also um, it puts them in good stead in the group because again I think we predicted Napoli would absolutely do mm-hmm. a number on on Ajax it, it was a very really strange feeling going into this game so with all that in my head what did you think about the lineup? Um, I don't think you had too many options as you said I think Jota for Carvalho maybe but Jota's only just come back from injury Obviously, no, when Moore doesn't play, it's always a surprise. Even, I don't know why UEFA's got us lined up in a 4-3-3 with Firmino on the right wing, but let's roll with that. <laughs> um, but it's 2022, Nina, and I was hoping James Milner would start in a midfield too. That uh, sums up how our season's going mm. so far. Yeah. I um, think um, yeah. my options was, like, is he going to play a back three? Is he going to play, um, is he going to go back to his 4-3-3, be a bit, you know, like defensive? And, yeah. you know, I think the option, the only bit, like, in the midfield, I think we can agree he didn't have many options at all. And, you know, not at right back as well. But in the attack, I was very, very intrigued into, as to who he would start and who would get a rest. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think more... Genuinely, I don't think Moore's ever had a rest, so it is nice to see. Albeit he might have just been dropped or rotated for his own sake because he's not actually had the uh, 
the best season so far, but we may get onto the reasons when he scores a hat-trick in about five seconds playing in his actual position. But uh, we'll come on to that. But no, I, I like the team. Um, a bit nervous seeing Elliot and Carvalho in the same team, but it's obviously a very different shape to what we saw against Everton. Yes. Um, when they and that played, was the last uh, time they yeah. played together, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they played a midfield three that time and it just didn't work whatsoever. But I wanted, so, and you yeah. know, I was proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we saw it the first time, I was like, ooh, he's got attacking. Oh, my God, neither of these are midfielders. <laughs> um, but, no, this time it worked much better with them being out on the wings. Um, midfield 2 still has a couple issues, but we've not played it for that long, so teething issues, hopefully. But uh, I think the two young lads grew into the game, as we'll come on to. But mm. in terms of the team itself, I thought it was mostly fine. And let's be honest, any team we put out bar the under-18 should be good enough to beat Rangers. I don't care about Ibrox. <laughs> We're Liverpool. <laughs> we should be should be used to playing in hostile stadiums. But a team that... Um, I mean, Scott Arfield. He, he was a Burnley squad player like seven years ago. Mm. <laughs> Starting for them. It, we, it shouldn't really matter what we put out. But um, I don't think we go... I don't think any Liverpool play, uh, fan goes into a game confident in the way we're playing at the min. But... Yeah, it was, uh, it was an odd game, but we certainly grew into it, especially in the second half. We certainly did in the second half, and I kind of want to just get your thoughts on this. You know, it's not real much fun being a Liverpool supporter this season, and um, I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, letting Rangers score a goal and break their duck in the Champions League, is that like a new law for us? Because that's what it felt. I mean, but on the plus side... It, it took them 16 minutes, not the first minute. So, I mean, what did you feel to that? And, you know, Liverpool's quite a cagey start because I do think, like, it was a little bit everywhere to some degree. Um, It was just uncoordinated, wasn't it? I think that's, mm. that's the way we go with it. I think their goal itself, Carvalho gets caught on the ball, yeah. which I'm not going to blame a toddler for getting caught on the ball in, a cha- in his foot. I don't know if he's played another Champions League minute, but in one of his first Champions League appearances. Now, he's one of these players who probably hasn't experienced the atmosphere like this, because I'm guessing the championship doesn't get too rowdy. <laughs> um, but him getting caught on the ball, yeah, whatever. Ibu seems to be in Van Dyke's position. Van Dyke just seems to be vibing. Um, Arfield runs off the back of Henderson. It just seems... The way we tried to play out, it was like, well, we're already out. We might as well just bugger off out of position. And I think everyone <laughs> was. Um, but it wasn't good. It, it wasn't good. Like, this, We've seen this before. Like The Naby Keita, uh, uh Atletico Madrid one last year where he fails a press, then everything else behind him fails. We should be aware that he might get caught on possession and then all our fail safes are just not there. Our team is built on failsafes, and it just really hasn't been the case this season. Mm. And I think we saw the sloppiness that has been part of the of our team in in yeah. that moment. But um, and individual yeah. errors get highlighted more, don't they? They do. Like, they just, there's do. no, there's no like you know that, that safety in terms of like cleaning it up. And yeah, I I completely get that. Yeah, I felt like that as well. It felt you know a little bit everywhere for me. Um, I wasn't getting settled into the game as well. Um. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, is this like a, a reoccurring thing? You know, obviously the, the Napoli game had been played before ours. So mm-hmm. we knew what Napoli had done against Ajax. That one finished 4-2. We'll, you know, briefly talk about that one. But, um, you know, um, Liverpool 
did pull one back and um, uh, I was like, not another, like, I know beggars can't be cheesy. I was like, can we score a goal from open play against Rangers, please? That'd be, that'd be great. But, you know, corner from Shimikas and um, a flick of a header from Roberto Firmino. I mean, again, he gets two two goals and an assist, um, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about Mosellani's hat-trick. But, you know, a key moment because obviously the belief sort of slowly comes back but I still think we're a little bit everywhere but in terms of the overall vibe and the performance of Roberto Firmino I mean what do you make of him so far because I feel like such a ninny and an idiot because I was one of those who was watching him from previous seasons and thinking he's on his way out like he's like the striker that is not performing and he hasn't been for some time and it's quite crazy that where Liverpool are not performing the best he's the one that's kind of stepped up the goal scoring and he seems to be in the right place at the right time and I feel like there's a bit more hunger and urgency about him in terms of um, rather than being selfless he's taking it upon himself To be fair Nina I think you were right with your your opinion of Firmino he had dropped off like even the title winning season he had dropped off he wasn't on the same level as as the previous seasons and obviously since we bought Jota and um, and Diaz last season um he had he had fallen down the pecking order and deservedly so. But this season, he's the only striker who has kind of put it all together. I mean, maybe sometimes the linking of play isn't flowing at its best. But who the hell is he linking up with? Yes. Um, that's probably the main <laughs> issue there. Um, but he does. He, he's let's be honest. He's not near seventeen, eighteen Bobby levels no, because no, that, no, no. I don't think that player's never coming back. I don't think. Mm-mm. But he is just seemingly. I don't. Is I think evolve might be too strong a word, but it may be the start of an evolution where he might just be a goal scorer. He might just sod off the, the linking of play and false nine stuff. He might have just went. Ah, it's time for me to be the guy. Um, but it is nice to see because before we used to think without his linking of play there was no point playing and we might as well have just got a number nine and we did. We got Darwin Nunes, but he, he has had this ruthless streak. But my only concern, because everyone's debating whether now we should give him a new contract and whatnot, and we have been we have been caught with uh, some pricey new contracts mm-hmm. in recent years. Um, it's just whether this is just a purple patch, because Bobby had a purple patch last season. Mm. I think he got injured, then he kind of reverted back to not doing much. So time will tell, but it is really nice. I mean, by I think Neil Jones had a bit a couple of days ago or last week that saying it looks like he will leave on a free, but. If this is his swan song at Liverpool and he's going to have one of his better seasons in a few years, it, it would be the perfect goodbye. But in terms of his actual performance, you, you are right. He's the only he's the only reliable one at the minute. I mean, Nunes has a good goal-scoring record, but in terms of his all-round involvement, I think Bobby's just doing a bit more. Um, but no, it is really nice to see because one of the most popular players, is, especially in one of the most important players in the Klopp era, he, he almost became somewhat of an afterthought. Especially mm. with the options we had last year, because we had Minamino, Rigi, etc. as well. It is just nice to see him come back to the, the forefront of everyone's thoughts, really. But um, maybe a bit too soon to say he's back and needs a new contract. But time will tell with that. But um, yeah, just great to see. And well, he, he deservedly starts. And I think most people would have him starting against City. Uh, you're on mute, Nina, if you're talking. 
sorry, um, I was <laughs> um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, and in the past, like when he has been really, really great, and he was one of our like, you know, when he was on top form, he used to have really, really good games against Man City, and I think you know he's certainly warranted that he does link up with players, and you know. But he's also scoring the goals and he's scoring a lot of them. And of course, you know, that assist for Nunez was just absolutely wonderful. You know, the little flick and then obviously Nunez is very, very clinical finish. But I agree with you. I mean, I absolutely love Roberto Firmino and I think so many people do. And, you know, getting him from Hoffenheim was an absolute joy and a dream for me and so many people on Anfield Index. But you're right. Um, you know, you can't, I don't know, like, you, you can't be sentimental like that. And maybe the whole sentimental aspect of how we just give contracts to players like that has maybe been somewhat of the downfall of what we're kind of seeing right now. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've kind of refreshed up the strikers anyway. And, you know, it looks like we're we're going through that new phase of new strikers who are a lot younger now. So, you know, work with them and, uh, yeah, um, and let him go out on an absolute high because we as Liverpool supporters absolutely do love him. Right. um, So there were plenty of goals. Two for Roberto Firmino. One for uh, Darwin Nunes, who I think is coming into form. Um, um, and you know what? It was actually a really, really clinical finish. Something that we were like, we were, you were getting so annoyed at him, um, and rightly so. I think we all were. And uh, last week, and you know, the quickest hat trick from um, Mo Salah as well. You know, the quickest. And uh, you know, again, you made that shout on on the Euro Incision podcast saying. I want to see him as one of a, one more of a main striker and I want to see what he's all about. And you got your wish and he delivered and he looked threatening. He looked hungry. You know, perfect time to get in that kind of form as well. And Elliot gets a goal as well. I mean, who else impressed you? So I've kind of spoke about the goal scorers there. Um, which players do you think deserve like a shout out? Um, Ibu Kanate. I think yes. their, their goal aside, where he was obviously overcovering for whatever reason. He made a huge block. I can't remember the Rangers player that had the shot, but he just... Everyone loves Joel Matip, and most people like Joe Gomez, but I just feel like this lad is just something different. Like, Matip's much more established, but this lad has all the attributes in the world to be the next Van Dyke, and... I don't think he'll ever, maybe not surpass Van Dyke, but he has different things to offer. I know Van Dyke's rapid, but this lad, he's just really, really fast. He's terrifyingly fast for a, basically a giant of a human being. Yeah. Um, really good block, um, really good on the ball. I think he had one dodgy pass, but everyone has a dodgy pass at Liverpool nowadays. Yeah. He just, and you can see if we have Trent when he's back fit, leaving loads of space, which we do, but hopefully not against Man City because I don't want to lose 12-0. Um, he will just add something to our defensive line. He will be able to cover all that space. Now, it shouldn't be as big as the space we've seen this season, but I think to our system working in this blaming Linders era of Liverpool, <laughs> um, I think key to it, because he can cover that space, whereas I don't think Matip and Gomez can. So if this is the total football idea and that our evolution, he'll he will be key to that because just the physical attributes and just just the quality of the player. I mean, everyone's banging on about Saliba, who has been excellent for Arsenal. This lad was our best player in the Champions League final. He, he, pocket, he pocketed Karim Ben Karim Benzema, if I can say his name. 
Um, Which isn't easy, people. <laughs> no, especially last season when he was just going, ah, Champions League, I will turn into um, someone from the Bible um, with magic powers. <laughs> it's just, yeah, so I think people understate how good a prospect he actually is. So I'll, I'll, I'll it's odd in a 7-1 victory, <laughs> big enough a centre-back, but it's so good having him back because I think he can... He can take the defence up to an extra level. Couldn't agree more. And um, I think, you know, just seeing him play a little against Arsenal was pretty much, for me, the the signal that he would be starting this game. And you're right, um, in the Champions League last season, he was absolutely um, phenomenal. And he really, really did um, demonstrate so much um, professionalism. And just like you said, he just commands. He's very, very commanding. And you can see him, you know... Like you said, he, he he puts himself on he puts himself on the line. You know, he's he's big, he's commanding, he's quick. And when you're playing a team like Man City and they have a striker in the kind of striker that they do, I mean, to me, it makes sense to play him and Van Dijk as as the centre back pairing. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I, I go on. I was going to say with Gomez at right back as well. You, you're going to need someone to help him with Ford and Cancelo oh, doesn't really overlap, but. He may have to push up, etc. So to be able to physically deal with with Haaland and Ford, and maybe may not be the quickest, but yeah, he, he makes clever runs. So I think yes, someone to uh, cover that maybe better suited to like Ibu. But um, physically, we've seen Matip be bullied by like Ivan Tony and stuff like that. Whereas I don't think I've seen Ibu bullied by anyone. So if anyone's going to stop Haaland. Even better than Van Dijk, I think Ibu might be the only centre-back in the world who's physically and good enough to deal with someone like Haaland. Now, I am touching all the wood because he may <laughs> score a hatchery, but, uh, but if you well, if you were building a centre-back as a blueprint, it probably yeah. would be Ibu to deal with, with someone like Haaland. Yeah, his kryptonite, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully. I, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we, yeah. Do not, to, you know, this podcast, you know, is uh, just our thoughts and not not actual facts. But yeah, uh, I I absolutely love Ibrahima Konate. And you kind of touched on Gomez there. And I want to get your thoughts on Gomez because, of course, having to play right back, we didn't really see him after, you know, that disappointing game against uh, Napoli where I felt mm-hmm. like he was one of the scapegoats, um, you know. And um, and to be fair, he was having a mare. Um and then came on against Arsenal because Trent gets injured. Uh, what did you make of him in this game? Because I felt, again, um, he's looking like he was growing into that game. I thought he had a very decent game. I thought he had a very solid game. And I like the fact that he also got an assist and a cross for Roberto Firmino that Trent Alexander-Arnold would be proud of. Oh, it was a fantastic pass cross, wasn't oh, it? Oh, gosh, it yeah. Lovely. Um, yeah, I think you worded it right there. Grew into the game. Um, first half, he seemed... Not overly challenged with anything defensively. Maybe the odd person ran off the back of him. But it was just sloppiness, I think, playing blind passes, um, overhit passes. He couldn't really get going forward as well, which is obviously, well, why the first half was a tragedy. <laughs> it was awful. Um, we just had no width. The young lads kind of stayed too wide, but they didn't get involved, so there was no width there. Gomez couldn't get forward. Simicast was getting roasted by the best name in football. Um and yeah, it just didn't really work. But Gomez, he, he definitely grew into it. He seemed more assured um, in, in the second half and just got forward a bit more because he do, he does he's a very good passer. Even when he was playing centre-back all them years ago, he, 
that was one of his biggest attributes was, was passing out from the back and obviously that leads to, to passes and crosses and etc so I think he, I think he can be a very good right back we're just obviously very used to the most unique right back in world football so it's just a big change but no I think he'll be I think he's he's probably better suited there at the minute than playing centre back because the way we play centre back it's obviously one mistake and you're dead and he does have the odd mistake, and whereas at right back you've got people covering you, so mm. especially the way we've defended it, it's nice having a, a centre back out there at times. So I, I'm fine with it for now, and I, I, I think he could grow into an option. But we know Trent will go back there, and deservedly so. But it's just a good option to have. It's it's not Milner at right back, which is very important nowadays. Uh, but no, I thought he, I thought he was good, especially the second half. But first half, we saw that rust, nervousness, rustiness, whatever the hell it is. But second half, he was really good. I thought. Yeah, um, uh, and it's it's nice that he's actually you know like the last time we kind of saw him play, pretty much um you know some minutes was um in in the Champions League um you know big minutes and you know it was a disappointing loss for him and and I actually felt you know against Arsenal he had a few wobblers against Martinelli at the beginning but then I felt like he started doing okay mm-hmm. and this was the game where again started off a bit and then grew into it and it's good to see and like you said it's nice to have like a centre back who's actually has that that defensive mindset and them capabilities and that you know that 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 kind of um uh, you know I, I I guess I want to say just that assurance of having that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. defending aspect of the game, he has it. And I feel like he's in really, really improved on, on his crosses. And you said it was lovely. And, and I think that was the big debate between him and Trent Alexander-Arnold, wasn't it? Like, who would be more suited to that way? Because Klopp was experimenting with bottom once upon a time, one season. Do you remember? To see, yeah, you know, 17, 18, I think, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, and obviously there was people saying oh, Trent is a bit more creative. And because we all know Trent can defend, it's a myth that he actually can't defend. And obviously that was something missing from Gomez's game where he was very much more like conservative in that regard. And I feel like he's established him, he's establishing himself in that, in what he can offer in, in an offensive sense. So, and again, if Liverpool are a team that thrives off crosses, which they do, and it's something that our attack really kind of relies on sometimes. More power to him. I love that. I loved. I loved how he had that understanding with Roberto Firmino. Yeah. Um. Who else impressed you? What did you make of the two youngsters? You know, playing out wide. Um. Uh, you know, Cavalio and of course, um, Elliot. Um. I think Cavalio had a tough first half. Mm-hmm. He just really couldn't get into the game. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. Elliot was a tough, was a weird one because I don't think it's just a cliche game of two halves, uh, minion. Um, but I, Elliot... I told Michael Owen. <laughs> oh god! But Elliot certainly grew into the game. I think in the first half he was one trying to do something, but like the team just was not clicking. Whereas second half, he seemed to get much more involved. I think Dave made the point on Raw that the two wide lads they kind of dovetailed a bit better coming in narrow. I think both of them seem, well, Carvalho especially, seemed more comfortable in in the central areas. Obviously, Carvalho was more of a 10, whereas Elliot, I think he can do both central and wide areas. So I think that worked a bit better. Um, But I think Carvalho is the interesting one because we kind of know what Elliot is by now. He's obviously 
a cent. Well, he's been playing centre mid, and it it's worked for him, but it didn't really work for the team. Whereas in the position he played yesterday, I think that's probably his best position. Mm. And especially when we brought on more, obviously the game was stretched by then. But we we see the understanding he has with 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 more. Um, and everyone everyone has an understanding with Thiago. Um, even me, you, everyone in the crowd, we could probably play one twos with Thiago. Um, but no, Elliot's that. But Carvalho is an odd one because first half, I think everyone was going into half time just going, he's not ready. He should be out on loan. Well, maybe not out on loan, but he shouldn't really be a first team option just now. But once we got him in more natural areas, I think we saw the quality of him. But it's just it's just the Rangers asterisk, isn't it? Because mm. he is used to playing teams like Rangers. Let's be fair. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I want to see more of Carvalho. Maybe not against Man City. I think we play West Ham afterwards. If he gets a decent amount of minutes against West Ham, unless we're like getting tonked, I, I I wouldn't be too upset. So I want to see more of him, but I don't want to depend on him, if that makes sense. But nice little signs of promise in the game, but maybe not the electric performances we kind of want. But Elliot, I think the goal is just cherry on, on top of the cake for him, really, because he, he was the one of the better players in the struggling first half. And... He got more involved when uh, when um, Moore came on, and he had a bit more link-up play up top. Um, so yeah, it was really nice for him to get his goal, even though, well, Steve McManaman play-by-play on the offside was painful. He's like, that's fine. That's yeah, that's fine. Right. fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. And yeah, oh my oh, God, that has like scarred us mentally. <laughs> Because when I watched that, I was like, I am traumatised, but I'm so glad you are exactly the same. Yeah, play by play of um, uh, the offside and VAR checking it. Yeah, um, I think they are definitely, you know, two players for the future. And, uh, you know, Elliot, like he said, I think throughout the whole season as well, like it has been a theme with him where he's, even when we've been dreadful, he's always been kind of trying. And he was in more of a natural position today. And in the second half, he was certainly more better because he had the players that he likes to play with and comfortable with. And, you know, and maybe it was the first half of not having Trent and not having Morsel out on that side. And, you know, a young player is... And again, when you actually look at Elliot with those players, he has this kind of, um, I don't know, like a telepathic kind of understanding with those players where to pass, he knows their movement and things. So I think, you know, those those things um, happen more naturally for him when, when Morsel came on. And, uh, yeah, with Cavallo, I, I do want to see more of him because I think, you know... The, the talk up about him and what he said about himself as well, that he wants to win the Ballon d'Or and, you know, he seems really serious and really, really dedicated and he he does show moments of what you could potentially expect. But it's, again, it's one of those where you don't want to put that much pressure on that young player and I would like to see more of him in the Premier League. I would not like to let him go on loan because, let's be honest, we're not in a real position to do that. We don't have those luxuries where we can watch him and let him develop somewhere at the moment. Mm-hmm. And he has played for Fulham and, you know, they were the, the top the, the top draw team uh, in the championship. So, yeah, I, I think he'll come good and, you know, we just got to be patient with him and, uh, yeah, definitely grew and looked better. And um, I think, you know, um, it was he was very much involved in the Nunes goal, wasn't he? Uh, yes, I think he the played book, the initial yeah. pass, didn't he, if I remember correctly? Yes, he did too, Roberto Firmino. So, and again, that was nice for him as well because, you know, he starts that off with them. 
with I think it was Fabinho. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on this now. So Klopp does his iconic Champions League triple sub. Hendo Chimikas Nunes off at 68 minutes. On come Thiago, Robertson and Morsala. And um, yeah, um, uh, talk to me about that sub and talk to me about what impressed you when that happened. And, uh, you know, a certain player finding his scoring boots again. It's a decent trio to bring on, isn't it? <laughs> it's really decent. I was thinking, not bad, not bad. Yeah, you got the be- best right winger in the world. You got the best, one of the best midfielders in the world, and formerly probably the best left back in the world before Cancelo became what he is. It, it's just, it's good to see them getting a break. Obviously, Thiago, we live and pray. Um, mm-hmm. Every day is a is an adventure. But more obviously needed a break, maybe taking out the limelight a smidge. But in terms of getting back to getting back to form, I've always thought it was a systemic issue with Mo. Um, yes. Just like even the Arsenal game, people saying he was getting pocketed by Tommy Asu. He skinned him like every time he touched the ball. He mm. just never touched the ball. <laughs> it, it's just ah, oh. playing him in a central area is so much better. It is just so much better and. Central area, I don't mean he just has to play as the number nine. He could play as the ten. He could revert back to his, God, this sounds FIFA-ish, right forward position. Um, It's just so odd. Whoever's idea it was to play him as basically David Beckham, I I just don't understand. It's like he's become the best player in this position doing these things. Let him do these things. Like, he's an elite creative player when he puts him in these areas. and But you're taking away the magic that was him. But in this game, again, Rangers, asterisk, yada, yada, yada. We just get him in them areas. Let him link up with, with Elliot. Um, him and Jota seem to have a really good connection, obviously, with the hat-trick of assists. Yeah, and Jota um, came up for Firmino. So, you know, again, yeah. that that and it was nice to see Jota. And yeah, I, I love the fact that he was linking up so well with Jota. Jota was always finding yeah. him. And vice, oh, was, yeah, two assists for Jota there as well. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just, he, you, you mentioned it with Elliot. <clears throat> it's almost telekinetic. Good players connect with good players. We, we always say, I mean, we, we're all scarred by Roy Hodgson days and stuff like that, but you remember like Gerard trying to connect with like Charlie Yardo and all that jazz? It's like, oh my God, this is painful. But you see a good player instantly when they connect connect with other good players. And I think that's why people almost trust Darwin, because it, it may not look the smoothest at times, but there's clearly connections there. I think especially with Mo, what, mm. what we've seen. Um, but no, in terms of them them coming up, Robbo looked back to his best. Oh, not back. 
but he looked more aggressive going forward. Thiago's just Thiago. He's usually excellent and, and was when he came on. But more play him in them areas. He may not look the prettiest, like even some of his finishes. I think McGregor would have saved them last week because he had something going on last week. Um, but it's just letting him get in them areas and taking them shots. Because by the third goal, it was like, that's basically classic Mo. Just yeah. coming in far corner. Even the first goal, we, we've seen that goal a million times. Usually it's because he skinned about seven people and he does that finish. But it is just, yeah, just play him in them areas. But if he goes back to Man City and he's playing playing the assistant ref position, oh, it'll just be so disappointing. And people will be going, oh, he needs dropping again. It's like, it's not his fault. <laughs> Whoever stupid idea it is to play him in a weird position. But it, it's a nice little reminder of how good Mo Salah can be. It really is. And I think one thing that I liked about his hat-trick and like all together, just like, first of all, I thought all three of the goals were like just lovely in terms of like, you know, in terms of like, first of all, like the fact that he looked like the hungry player that he was, you know, like, um, like to me, that was like, yeah, that's cutthroat. Um, that's cutthroat Mosala. That's what we were used to. And every time where, you know, like where he has been a little bit off his game, and I think he's not been his the best since he's come back from Afcon. And, you know, you could maybe argue he took too many touches there or, you know, not, not, not criticising, or he looks a bit tired and things. And to me, he looked very awake and very hungry. And and I think that is probably a praise that I'll probably give all the strikers. They looked very um, decisive. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, think that's a word, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably what was probably missing from, you know, the previous games and you know, maybe looking a bit blunt up top, or, or if the score, if the strikers were scoring, the defense looking a bit shaky, and like the strikers having to score five goals, and you know they haven't got that in them because they're just not getting the creativity and the chances to do so. But this time round, I felt like everything just looked very like purposeful, and no, I'm going to find the back of the net. And even Darwin Nunez's um, goal as well, like he took it so well, and. Um, and you kind of want that, um, given the fact that I think maybe people want. I mean, like you were, we were talking about Timo Werner, right? Are we Timo Werner worried? Then we'll get to Timo yeah. Werner when we talk to him about Leipzig. But yeah, it's it's great to see. And um, for me, I I love the fact that Thiago was just pinging those balls round and you know just finding players. And I just think he's just a classy, classy player. Um, what else kind of stood out for you in that game? Um. I'm not really sure. Maybe it, maybe the concern is that the first half still looks stale, and picking out a negative out a seven-one victory is a bit of a knobhead move by me. But the concerns are still there because we are about to play the scariest team in Europe. Um, but the first half was what we've been worried, what we've been doing all season. Whereas the second half was a reminder of we're a good team. Yeah, what um, we can do. Exactly. So. What Liverpool are we going to get going forward? Because the first half, we had nothing going forward. We looked panicky in possession. Maybe it was just Rangers trying a bit more, but we shouldn't... A team that, well, used to be good, or seemingly used to be good, um, should not be letting a team like Rangers dictate the game or or make you panic in possession, etc. We should be just casting them aside, which we did in the second half. Um... So that's probably the 
only negative takeaway is just the first half was what we've been used to. The second half was, well, hello, this is what we should have had from the start of the bloody mm. season. Um, yeah. So that'd be the only negative takeaway. Well, maybe Simicas because he kind of got roasted every time he, he had to yeah. defend. Um, bless him. But I think that dropped off when, when Rangers did, obviously. Um, but that, that'd be the only concern is just the, the first half sloppiness, mm. lack of aggression, pass passiveness is probably the right word. But it is it is good to see the turnaround with maybe just a couple tactical tweaks and Rangers dropping off slightly because we have shown this season we can. Once the attack clicks, it's probably one of the best ones in the country still, but <sighs> scoring seven against Rangers, nine against Bournemouth, I don't think the attack's been the issue. I don't think anyone anything anyone thinks that. It's just not been at its flowing best due to the rest of the team, I'd imagine. But yeah, um, that'd be the uh, the only slight negative takeaway was the was the first half. I don't I don't think you're you're nitpicking because if you think about it, yeah, this is the Liverpool that we're used to and we're used to playing. And you know, the first half very much felt like that. But for me, it was a little bit more concerning because they played like that against this Rangers side, probably the worst team that they've played all season. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, must be getting Bournemouth. Have, Bournemouth have shown they are capable since Scotty Tuchel, as, yeah. as Dave likes to call him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely Rangers. Yeah, I, I, I would have to say that. And it, it is a bit of a concern because if you start like that against other teams, other teams will probably punish you more as well. But luckily it was Rangers and we managed to pull it back and hopefully... The second half is a reminder of what to themselves what they can do as well. Do you know what I mean? And maybe it gives you, mm-hmm. you know, Jurgen Klopp and the coaching staff and the team, um, you know, food for thought in terms of, well, hang on a minute, if this is working and the, it's clicking, maybe the, you know, this is something that we can build upon. And, you know, like you said, you don't turn into a bad player overnight. I just think it's a confidence thing, and you know, and I think it will come. Um, let's hope it comes really quick. Yeah, I've got nothing to say about that game. All I know is the fact that it puts, a, it, you know, it was a must win. It was like, yes. And it was a big, big relief because like like we said, we were quite fortunate with where Liverpool were and their form. And we got Rangers back to back to kind of make things easy for us, um, for ourselves in this group. Because the other game, which was played in, in our group, um, Napoli versus Ajax was played before ours, obviously. And that one finished 4-2 to Napoli. I mean... You know, the usual kind of suspects, you know, bringing their A game. I, I do, I mean, what do you make of Napoli? Like, do, do you think they might be, like, the people's, like, kind of little favourites? Do you think they're going to cause, like, some upsets? Because, you know, they, they've got some really good players. Um, I thought, you know, like, I I, I think everyone is absolutely in awe of Um, I mm-hmm. think Raspadori is just scoring goals for four, and I thought his goal to make it two was an absolute, you know, thunderbolt top left. That mm-hmm. I love that kind of goal. You know, they just show that they are absolutely clinical. And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, um, I guess, right. Spalletti, because, you know, that big change around and, you know, bringing those kind of players in. And, you know... Um, I just, I, I, I really, um, I like watching them, and um, Ajax are no fun to watch. I can't lie. And that, that's the thing. I think when anyone thinks of Napoli, I think they still think of um, what's his bloody name? What's a Lazio manager's name? The one who went at Chelsea. Sorry. Sorry, that's it. I think everyone still associates Napoli with that. 
Whereas, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big watcher of Serie A. If there was another league I'd watch, it would be Serie A. But you just watch this team and you think, wow, it's almost, it's almost Premier League-ish. Like the exciting wingers, the direct physical nature of it. And it just, it's just really impressive to watch because... I think everyone kind of likes the romanticism of Napoli because obviously Maradona, etc. And I think more, they'd probably be quite a lot of people's team in Serie A. But watching them, that Georgian lad, Caravaradona, you've definitely been practicing that one. Um, he's a scary bloke. Like, he obviously only scored a penalty, but. I, I watched the second half because I didn't realise this was on um, till late. But every time he picked up the ball, he's relentless. I just keep that lad out the Premier League because we obviously have Diaz in that position, so we probably won't ever buy him. But but just bugger off to buy Munich, Barcelona, so we never have to see you because that lad's terrifying. He like what a Dharma Triori should be. <laughs> he's just terrifying. Um, Raspadori. Um, obviously, he scored against England the other week. And yes, that was a really good goal. He, he just looks like a quality player. And they've obviously been been, um, been missing a Simeon um, since he got injured against us as well. So yes. another level of that. Maybe Raspadori plays on the right or something like that. But that's a terrifying prospect to play. But they're I've already through, so it's good to play them then. I've got their XG up against Ajax, and naturally, I think we always think as well, we're kind of conditioned to believe, like, you know, this, uh, like, an Ajax team is quite attack-minded and, mm-hmm. you know, and and things like that. And, uh, you know, you you stereotypically think an Italian team is very, very defensive-minded. And the XG for Napoli was, um, uh, this is from FootMob, um, 3.2 XG, and uh, Ajax had 1.6. So you can get at Napoli, there's hope for us. <laughs> um... No, they are, they are terrifying. I mean, obviously Ajax, I still blame Karl Matchett for, for putting the fear of God in me when they're obviously not very good. Um, I shouldn't say that before we have to play them. Um, no, it's just Ajax. It's just odd. I mean, playing Blind at centre-back and Calvin Bassey at left-back. Oh, maybe did that's you just, see him? Did you yeah. see him for the fourth goal? My word. It's just really odd, but... If you have to compensate your left back and move him to centre back and move your left your centre back to left back, just play someone else. <laughs> it's just it's just really really odd. But even when Ajax were trying to get back into the game and obviously there was late drama with the penalties and stuff like that, Calvin Bassi was playing right wing at a period of the game and I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. <laughs> he should be your centre back, or he should at least get in the box because he is massive. Um, it was just really odd watching Ajax play. Um, but Napoli, I'm so glad they will hopefully rotate when they play us, unless they're going for the perfect um, six out of six, which they probably will be by the time they play us. But they'll be still in the Serie A hunt. I'm not sure who they'll be playing that weekend, but maybe they'll rotate against us and it might be more winnable for us. Um, but in terms of how far they'll go... I mean, we've seen it before. We saw Ajax in eighteen nineteen, everyone's second team. Um, we've seen Atalanta have good runs and stuff like that. But Napoli, there seems to be something <coughs> a bit more there. They seem to have rejuvenated without Koulibaly, etc., and just took it up a exciting level. So I think they will be everyone's second team this year. 
Yeah, they are currently top of Serie A, 23 points. Atlanta second with 21 points. And I hate to put the fear of anything in you, Guy Drinkle, because I like you so much. But since um, uh, the start of the month from the 1st of October, um, let me just run through some of the scores for you. So they beat um, Torino at home 3-1. They beat Ajax, obviously last um, uh, um, the previous Champions League fixture, um, uh, 6-1. They beat Comorines um, 4-1, and then they beat Ajax 4-2. And, uh, yeah, and when you think about our defence as well, it's, it's a bit scary, can't lie. I think they've got about 13 goals there, if my maths is correct. Um, yeah, scary, scary stuff. But, yeah, they, they look like it. And um, Let, Let's beat Ajax, please. Yeah, <laughs> let's get through. Just, yeah. Get through. <laughs> yes, yeah, please, please. Okay, so, um, yeah, big one for Liverpool now, you know, against Ajax. Right, Guy, let's move on. Let's move on. Who should we talk about next? Got all my notes here. Spurs, Frankfurt. Um, Spurs 2. Um, Spurs 3, Frankfurt 2. Uh, this this group, again, is looking um, uh, really like it's all topsy-turvsy. And, um, uh, but Spurs, Kane and Son, um, they look like they've kind of found their chemistry again, you know. Mm-hmm. Son getting two goals. Um, one of them was an absolute stunner, absolute stunner. And um, Harry Kane um, scoring a penalty. I mean, what did you make of him? I I have to ask, what did you make of um, Son's um, second goal? Because it was a bit of a wild moment. It's just one of them where you just sat there watching. You just and you just you don't say anything. You just make a noise. You just go ooh. Yeah. Just one of them. I look. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I love them goals. That bloke's like probably the most two-footed player in the world nowadays, and scoring a goal like that on your weaker foot is just ooh. You just ah. Oh. Oh, I, I wish it was a Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the way he kind of takes it out the air, you know, yeah. first time strike, uh, like you said on his weaker foot, and you know, um, great cross by Hoiberg as well. But yeah, it was an absolutely lovely goal. Um, uh, Spurs um, and Frankfurt got two goals there. I mean, German teams. I mean, buying aside, I mean, German teams are not doing, you know, great. Um, in my opinion, I I don't think it's it's only going great for them. But yeah, uh, Spurs look like they're not being as Spursy as they used to be. Guy Drinkle. Um, Sporting Marseille. This is why I call it a topsy turvy. Um, this is why I call it a topsy turvy um, group because literally Marseille were at the bottom of the group about three weeks ago, mm. two weeks ago, should I say, and now they are second because they beat Sporting two nil. It did look a really clumsy game from the highlights. Although BT only put out one minute highlights for most of the games, which was really helpful. Um, <laughs> I just. Sporting going down to nine men with that they didn't even show one of the red cards. <laughs> it was like that. It was it happened to get on with it. Um but the first like I the defending for the I think it was the first goal was just awful from uh, from Sporting and bless him. Seb Quathers was playing a perfect offside line and the, his other centre back just went, nah, none of that business. Um but Marseille, Gwen Doozy with his fantastic hair, um nice penalty from him. But no, this is the one we've deemed the Europa League group, and it just seems really close. I mean, Tottenham should get out of it because they have to win one more game, I presume, unless something mental happens. Um, but everyone else is really close. It's good to see a group like that where everyone can still get out because 
well, the, some of them are, are quite boring with we've already one team out of it. But um, no, that's that's a fun group. That's a fun group, but it's a shame they play the same day as us, <laughs> so we never get to see it. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of fun games and fun groups and things that we don't get to watch because we are cursed like that because we play on the same day, um, just a small affair of Barca Inter 3-3. Now, for me, guys, this is probably the seems like the most entertaining game. And obviously, our yeah. game finished. And then they they, they, sh- they had this on, on the goal show and obviously on BT Sports 4 as well. And, oh, my gosh, I mean, what on earth was going on with some of that defending by Barcelona just in general? Um, of course, you know, it finished 3-3. Um, it, there was a lot of drama. There was drama till the end. I mean, you know, you thought um, Guzan's made it like killer blow on the 89 minutes. So, you know, Dembele scores first. And then Barella just creeps in behind Pique. I don't know what Pique is doing at this moment. He's just got his arms up in the air like he's Kate Winslet from Titanic. Has no idea what's behind him. Ball gets played past him. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, Barella's there, makes it makes it one all. And then Martinez makes it 2-1. And you think, oh my God, Barcelona are out again. Barcelona are out again. And then, of course, um, Lewandowski, being Lewandowski, um, steps up for um, you know Champions League moments, makes it two all, and then you think Guzan's like I said, 89th minute, makes it three two to Inter. It's so much drama. And then Lewandowski on 90, 92 minutes, you know, in injury time. I think there's about six minutes of injury time, makes it three all. But you know what I found staggering in all this? The defense, um, the defensive work of. Um, of Barcelona, they looked really everywhere, and I have to put that out there. And it was, and what I found really, really staggering was, was the fact that after it was three all, I think it was Martinez as well that went on a counter, and the young was just watching him, mm. uh, and and you know like he was just kind of jogging, and I was like, you were literally out of the Champions, you could be out of the Champions League, like trying to sell me a Man United, Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then of course you know Aslani. I mean, you know, forces a worldy save from Ter Stegen. Mm. I'm actually shocked and baffled at this point. I was like, oh my god, he was running like he they were four nil up. It's just, I think that I'm pretty sure they're still top of La Liga, but it just seems like something just wrong. Obviously, maybe it's just settling in, but the the missing the first choice defence, which mm. is the issue. But yeah. Pique seems this great of the last generation, which he obviously is by CV. Eric Garcia is a tragedy. I mean, Jesus Christ, how will Barcelona or Man City fighting over him? I have no idea. But Pique, your legs can go and all that jazz. How are you five yards behind the defensive line? Mm-hmm. That I think a yard maybe, but five, like you literally stood there telling people to calm down whilst he's holding hands with the goalkeeper. I don't know what he's doing. Um, do, you think a, do, do you think it's Javi's loyalty to players like Busquets and Piquet because um, of who they are? Well, he tried, he he tried to bin Piquet, didn't he? So maybe not Piquet, but I think Busquets is probably an issue because it's hard with him because he's probably the best of, I know people put up Redondo and people and stuff like that before my time, but Busquets is probably the best defensive midfield of a generation, certainly in there for the conversation yes. of all time. So it's hard with him because irreplaceable, all that stuff. Whereas PK, they obviously already tried to Kunde, um, Arejo, I don't know how you pronounce his name, and um, and uh, Christensen. Um, mm. 
so I think they have obviously moved on from PK and they did try to move him on after the um, Gavi mother affair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it, it's always been a problem with with team. We, we we've seen issues with Liverpool moving on from from legends of the team. Um, it, it's it's tough, but yeah, it's just sometimes loyalty is a strong word, but it's almost cancer to the team. Um, there's a fine line, isn't there, between showing loyalty and then just ruining your future. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, you can't be too sentimental, certainly not in football, because, you know, it, players age really quick and you need to keep it fresh and fast-paced. I would agree with you. The other game in that group was uh, Pilsen versus Bayern Munich. It finished 4-2 to Bayern Munich. All to play for, I think, is it all to play for for um, uh, Barcelona against um, Bayern Munich now? I think they have to win both, and I think Inter have to lose both, if I remember correctly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I think if Inter beat Pilsen, I think they're through. Yeah, because yeah, it goes head-to-head, doesn't it? So, if Inter beat Pilsen, I'm not sure which the uh, what the fixture's like, but if they beat Pilsen, they're through. So. You know what's absolutely... Yeah, what's absolutely mad, I was just saying, oh, it's not really obviously great for the German teams, but I think two teams might look set to qualify from their groups in terms of, I'd say, Borussia Dortmund um, mm. and, uh, of course, Bayern Munich. I think the Spanish teams are doing really bad, but obviously the ones that always end up winning it. You know, you know, you look at a team like Bayern Munich, um, uh, look at a team like Barcelona, and what you've just shared with me there, the fact that it's not even in their own hands, really, realistically, is actually mm-hmm. quite, oops, you know? You would not expect that, you know, it was something that you probably won't be accustomed to. But, yeah, let's move on. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting. I mean, what do you make of um, uh, Bayern Munich just in general? Because, of course, you know, they had the Der Klassiker of the weekend and they drew it in the final minutes. I don't think their league form is overly great, but they, they look quite decent in the Champions League. And, you know, and in all fairness to them, they have had actually, they have, in my opinion, had quite a test in the group. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, that was the group of death, essentially. And, um, you know, uh, Sadio Mane got the first goal and, you know, props to him. It's nice to see that. And, uh, you know, Goretta Muller, uh, the, the the classic old-school player that you're used to, Muller, the old veteran getting a goal and Goretzka getting two goals. And I thought some of Pilsen, uh, uh, you know, both of Pilsen goals were pretty decent. Not going to lie. Yeah, that's, a, that's the thing with teams that obviously come from lower leagues and then they get put in groups of death. They're never used to defending like that, so it's obviously a big change. But when they start attacking, they're obviously very capable. So I think once you go, like, get battered in a game and the, the, the leash is off a bit, I think that's when teams like Pilsen become interesting, but it's just impossible for them to compete with a team like Bayern. But well, I suppose you could say the t- same about Maccabee when we talk about them in a sec. Um, but no, it, it, it's really harsh on Pilsen, but it's, it's good for them to get, to get a couple of goals against Bayern. But yeah, they, they're seemingly very sloppy this season, Bayern. I, know, I think they're like second or third in, in the Bundesliga. Uh, they'll obviously win the Bundesliga still. Um, but you, you see it, I mean, devastating going forward at times, maybe still lacking Lewandowski a bit in terms of the league, but Conceding two against Pilsen's not not great look for for a team like Bayern. Mm. 
who do you think got more um who who do, where do you think the thingy is and the embarrassment is it is there more shame in conceding a goal to rangers or to uh da, 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 pilsen or maccabi haifa <laughs> Oh, it's definitely Maccabi Haifa, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing... I'm not sure how they all compare together, but losing to Maccabi Haifa, and I watched most of this game, um, Juve got, the first half especially, Juve got outplayed. Like, Rangers got one on the break. I'm sure Pilsen got one whilst they were already... Basically, we lost the game. I got two whilst they already lost the game. Maccabi outplayed Juventus yeah. comprehensively in the first mm-hmm. half. Yep. Maybe try to survive a bit in the second half. But good lord, um, there's worries about us. There's worries about Atletico Madrid, etc. And other big clubs across Europe. But Juventus are dead. They are yeah. dead. Um, awful. My God, if if you're so dependent on Angel Di Maria. In 2022, what the hell have you done to your team? How can your team only function with Di Maria and hoping Paul Pogba gives a sh- nearly swore, uh, gives a damn every um, when he whenever he's back fit? It, it just the turnaround in that club from when <clears throat> Conte and Allegri were there the first time to what to this mess now, oh, Jesus, um, it's absolutely criminal what they've done to that team. Like, Juve aren't my Serie A team by any means, but oh god, the drop off scary. It's it, that's a warning to other teams that it can all turn around with a couple bad years of transfers. Yeah, and one really, really extravagant one that really, really yeah. screwed you over. And my notes, I mean, I can't add in more to that. I think the only two notes that I can add to that were um, that I've written down were Juve are dreadful and Sacalegri. Yeah, and by all accounts, I don't think they can afford. Not the Allegri, but I mean they're going in the Europa League. So if you sack Allegri, you may have got out of the you may have gone through in the Champions League. So yeah, if your manager isn't working and you're in the Champions League, just always prioritise the sacking because albeit Benfica are doing well, <coughs> Juventus not getting through ahead of Benfica. This is probably disrespectful to Benfica to be fair, but I Maccabee could beat them into the Europa League. They're on yep. the same point as Maccabee Haifa. Yep. Uh, yep. That's just terrifying for a team like Juventus. Yeah, because right now two teams are on three points and um, PSG and Benfica are both on eight points. And, you know, again, that I thought that game was dead and buried. You know, that group was like, oh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of itself kind of... Um, you, you, know, you know yourself like, oh, yeah, them two teams are going to qualify. The other two are just there for the sake of being there. And... Uh, of course, let's move on now to then the other game in that in that group. And um, what did you make of PSG and Benfica? You know that game was played right before the whole Ben uh, Mbappe noise. I am not mm. going to. I am not going to share my thoughts on that get one. The hash, get the hashtag up. Yeah. <laughs> Mbappe twenty twenty three. Let's go. Yeah, because I think everyone was kind of watching this game, weren't they? And thinking, what's he going to do? How is he going to perform? How is he going to respond? And you know. Um, they get a penalty, he scores it. Um, he also had like, that curling shot at the end. Um, um, at the end of the... 
when he had the, he had a curling. I think it was the first half. I think that one. Yeah, and yeah. He had the, the yeah. Um, offside goal as well. I think. Uh, you know that offside goal would have been like the goal for me. Yeah. It was a fantastic strike that one. It was just well, Michael Oliver decided to uh, actually referee this time. Um, not sour at all. Um, it's an interesting game. I mean, I think our first podcast we did we discussed whether PSG are contenders, and I think we both agreed maybe a year too soon. Uh, yeah, PSG don't do <laughs> sustaining stuff, do they? There's always some sort of drama, um, and yeah. But it's a good result for Benfica. They seem yeah. to be a lot more difficult to beat. Obviously, we had mad games with them, so maybe it's a bit more controlled under Roger Smith. Um, but it's, it, it's good to see. But it's good to see that PSG aren't just like ploughing through everything because um, they usually do that and then go out in the quarterfinal. Um, so maybe it's different this year. But Benfica look look impressive, and maybe last year wasn't a fluke. Maybe they are actually. Uh, a team maybe not deep as like the the semi final whatever, but they can be a team that constantly gets through their group and maybe go on a run. But PSG, we know the quality's there, but the infighting and stuff it, it's always there in the background. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just an odd, very odd club. And um, hey, if Qatar bins them off, we can buy some of their players. Yeah. That would be quite nice, but yeah, I'm not getting involved in the whole that and back thing. And yeah, and I, I do like the fact that you know Benfica still kind of pulled them back again. You know, you're not running away that fast. I think people thought, like you said, they're just going to run away in that group, and it still looks like you know two teams are battling for it. And Benfica certainly look like a tougher, resilient team, and they'll certainly fancy themselves against. Um, I believe the two teams that they would probably have to play would be Maccabi Haifa and, of course, Juventus, who yeah. just look absolutely shocking. Um, Celtic versus um, Leipzig. Leipzig. 2-0, that one finished. Um, to Leipzig. I mean, what did you make of this one? Because I felt like Celtic came all gung-ho and it came to nothing. They just didn't have the goal, did they? Um, mm, crossbar. If, if, yeah, crossbar. A couple shots that should have been on target went over. Kyogo, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's just... It's a shame because Celtic... To be fair, <clears throat> I think it was talk sport and all that jazz who came out when they lost to Celtic. Oh, it's embarrassing stuff like that. At least they had a goal. Like Rangers didn't have a goal. I know they're in a tougher group to be fair, Rangers, but Celtic tried. They outplayed Leipzig at periods in the game. Albeit Rangers scored first. I don't think they ever outplayed the worst performing Liverpool team in a decade. Well, that's probably harsh, but I'm going with it. Um it's just it's just unfortunate that the Scottish Premier League's dropped off that much. But Celtic look fun. We mentioned mm. um, Poster Cogley last week. He probably won't be at Celtic too much longer. Mm. Um, but it's just a shame because, I mean, this may sound like a funny sentence, but the quality of people like Timo Werner shown in the second half um, yes. and, and Kunku, etc. I um, did smile when it all happened. Yeah. Can't lie, can't lie. You yeah. know, of with a well-placed header, and I was like, you know what? Everything is going. I've got everything for Guy Drinkley. As obviously scores a header, Darwin Nunes showing that he's not Timo Werner, and then the guy scores. And um, Bozza, he is Timo Werner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if team if if Leipzig play before us, if Werner scores, money on Nunes scoring. That's what we yeah. figured out. That's what we figured out, and of course, um, Werner gets an assist as well because for um, Forsberg scores a lovely top corner finish. Mm, absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a quality gap there. Um, but Celtic give it a good go by by the highlights. Um, it's a shame, but what you're gonna do? You're gonna take you're in a group with Leipzig and Real Madrid, and, and let's be honest, Shakhtar aren't any um, pushovers as well. Looking at their result. No, they're not. And of course, uh, we'll go there. Shakhtar Madrid won also. I mean, Real Madrid always look like they are, they're going to fall apart this season, you know, because the groups obviously look a bit, I, I always find that they look a bit ropey in the group stages. I don't know if you'll agree with me on that. Like, they always look like, oh, God, yeah, they've got Shakhtar Donetsk and they'll lose to some random team, like, and Sheriff. yeah, yeah, which was last season. And, you know, they, they, they make it all the way to the end. And that group is pretty much Real Madrid on 10 points at the moment, Leipzig on six, Shakhtar Donetsk on five, and Celtic on one. I mean, Madrid, you can't rule them out, can you? I will never no. rule them out. I, I've been humbled too many times. They've humbled us directly too many times. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Oh, God. If we just avoid them, we may win the bloody thing. But if we play them, yeah, <laughs> just don't watch. Um, no, I think Real Madrid, it's just an odd one because it looked like Shakhtar just outplayed them for the most part and the keeper yep. made an error. Um, for the Madrid goal and decided to try and murder Rudiger. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's a re- that's quite a close group other than Celtic. Um, I th- anyone can still go through, but Real Madrid, I think they have to pick up another draw. No, probably one more win and they're defo through. Um, and they obviously play Celtic at the Bernabeu, if I remember correctly. So that should be a win there. Um, but it's an interesting one because it, it would be nice for Shakhtar to get through with well, the Ukraine crack. Yes, yes. Um, but Leipzig won't want that to happen, obviously. But uh, the party poopers. But no, it'd be nice for Shakhtar to get through. But that that seems like a, a quite a fun group as well. It does like a fun group. <clears throat> it does. Um, right, let's move on to the team that we will be playing over the weekend. Now, um, at Copenhagen versus City, you finished nil nil. You know, um. Mares misses a penalty. Man City don't score a goal. They have the man sent off as well. Are the wheels falling off Man City? Because I'm just holding on to things here right now. You know, Gomez gets sent off as well. I mean, is are the wheels falling off? Like, oh, disaster, disaster. Well, zero goals this season. Haaland's not on the pitch, so it's a good, it's a good sign. We just need to injure Haaland. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyone in the warm-up, James Milner, I'm looking at you. Just go over. Two-footed. You may get suspended for life from the Premier League, but you would do retiring anyway. Um, just go take him out. Uh, to be fair, their, their goal was harshly ruled out. Uh, the Rodrigo mm-hmm. worldy. Um, yeah. But again, our boy Grabara, um, Edward's agent. Um, I, I was watching it. <laughs> Bread. I was like, that's the goalkeeper. And guess what? He was man of the match again. He was. Yeah. Uh, good goalkeeper. See, Edwards knew what he was doing, um, which is obviously making the best team in the world for a bit. It's probably, probably a, better, a better example than signing Polish goalkeepers. Um, that's it. He'll be fine. It's just one of them. You get a red card relatively early. Mares isn't allowed to score at nil nil. He has to be three nil up for Mares to score a goal. He's really bad at penalties. I don't know why he takes them. Um, mm. Just like Rod- Rodri looks like he could be one of them Harry Maguire types who'll just top bin it every time. Um, mm. Just let him take it. Um, but no, I think 
albeit it was against 10 men, but Copenhagen looked a bit more um, competitive in this one. Uh, how is that group shaping up? Where are the... Yeah, it looks pretty much done, doesn't it? I think Sevilla seasons up. It'll be a good fight for Europa League. It'd be interesting if a team like Copenhagen could get through in that, but Dortmund um, should get it through, and I think City, City are already through. Um, so yeah, it should be. That's pretty much done. But it'll be an interesting fight for Europa League there. But City, they'll bring back the freak, and he'll score probably. Yeah. The absolute demon. But let's move on to the other game then. Dortmund won, Sevilla won. I mean, if, if Sevilla do make Europa League, we all know what happens there. They just have a really, really nice little history with that um, with that tournament. Um, Belli- um, obviously, Nianzu scoring for uh, Sevilla. Jude Bellingham gets another goal. I believe I heard the BT stats that it was four goals in four Champions League mm-hmm. games for him. The, the a, few more, uh, a few more zeros added to his... Um, to his asking fee, um, yeah, I, I think Dortmund here um, will. It looks like they'll finish runners up. I don't think you can say any more. Yeah, than that. they should do. They should yeah. do. I think if they just beat beat Copenhagen, or I'm not sure which one they're playing at um, at home, but just don't if they. Well, they have they, they give City issues in the past, haven't they? Maybe not always got the result, but it's seemingly been a tough game. But if you get two points or three points, you, you'll probably be fine, I imagine. I think so. <clears throat> right, I think we're going to talk about, obviously, um, Chelsea here, Milan-Chelsea 2-0. I think, again, Milan of the weekend beat, obviously, this really, really dreadful um, Juve side, but what did you make of this? And I think probably the one of the most biggest talking points has to be here is um, the tomorrow sending off. I was absolutely shocked and bemused by this. I mean, Penalty and a red card. I mean, what did you make of that? Because I felt like it was really, really harsh, like beyond harsh. I'll be honest, yeah, I didn't, uh, like to me, I didn't, I know there was a bit, a little bit of shirt pulling, but to me, I felt like it was soft, let felt alone like, a red card. I felt like Mike Dean was out of retirement. Um, <laughs> it, it was shocking. It really is. It's, it's good to know that it's not just the Premier League that has horrendous referees, but the more concerning thing that is, I can't believe this profession is this bad at the job. So it might be more sinister than that, but it's not the podcast to make accusations of a, a refereeing scandal. Um, yeah. It is just dreadful. Like It's not a penalty and it's not a red card, but if you give the foul, I think technically it has to be a red card. But it's just not a foul. He doesn't, like he barely pulls the shirt. He just tugs his elbow slightly to try and get past him. It's a contact sport. It's not basketball. Yeah. I just daft. He, he ruined that game because I think most people were watching that because who the hell's watching Copenhagen against Man City? Yeah. Um, I I turned it off. I was like, as soon as they went two 0 up, I was like, what's the point? Mm. Milan had the odd good chance, but Giroud does Giroud things. Oh, um, the sitter, the sitter, yeah. and of course, I think the big news from that, like he said, I think people lost interest, and um, I think the big news from that one was um, Reese James injury, yeah. right? And another another right. Uh, um, right back conundrum for um, Gareth Southgate, and it looks like at the moment with Walker out, Trent um, being injured at the moment, but you know, I don't think he really fancies him, and we don't know how long Reese will be out. 
it looks like Kieran Trippier will be, you know, the only one. But yeah, they're dropping off. He probably, he probably was anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He loves Kieran Trippier. Well, unless he, he picks something up yeah. on the weekend, and that'll just be absolutely fantastic for Mr. Waistcoat Southgate. Exactly. Yeah. Carl Walker Peters, step on down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's a big loss for Chelsea because. Albeit, I think Reese James is overhyped to hell, especially because he's a right wing back and never played right back. Mm. Um, he, he's an excellent player. He, he he brings so much to Chelsea going forward. He's fine defensively, but he has like four people behind him. So yeah, it's probably easier to defend that way. Um, mm. But he is a big loss. Um, but it'll be a good test for Potter. We've seen people like Loftus Chief play right wing back and stuff like that, but don't just whack Azpilicueta out there and expect him to do the same stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's a huge loss for Chelsea, especially so soon in Graham's Potter's positive start for them. Um, but uh, it's good for us because we obviously need Chelsea and Court to drop points now. So happy happy days for us. Yeah, you you got to look after number one first. And exactly. Yeah, Sod Potter. You know he sold his soul the moment he he joined Chelsea. I used to like him before that. Now I have to dislike him. It's it's very very strange. In the, in the other game in their group, Dinamo Zagreb won, Salzburg won. Um, that group looks pretty much open in my opinion from a few things. Chelsea with seven points, Salzburg with six, and Milan with four, and and Zagreb with four as well. So again, I think that's still pretty much wide open. You know, nobody's home and dry just yet. So, yeah, let's move on to the next lot. We're going to talk about Atletico Madrid and Club Bruges. Uh, it finished nil-nil. I think the man of the moment was probably uh, Simon Mignolet again, making some big saves. Great shot stopper, even took one to his face. I mean, so that was the result in that game. And Leverkusen and Porto, 3-0 to Porto, Alonso's first Champions League game in charge. I, what I noticed from that game uh, was the simple fact that, you know, Leverkusen were not very good defensively, you mm. know? Um, the, four, the first goal that they conceded wasn't the best. Uh, and then Leverkusen get a penalty. And, you know, they have a chance to make it, of, of course, one all if they convert it. And that is a big if if they convert it. And obviously they failed to do so. And that becomes really, really kind of costly because then they just started doing brain fart stupid things where they conceded two more penalties to lose 3-0. Bundesliga attacks. <laughs> Teams don't defend and it bloody shows. Um, but it's odd. I'm not sure if he actually played, but I know Tap Sobber's really highly thought of. Um, but it's just Leverkusen have obviously had a dreadful season. That's why Jabby's been brought in. Um Good result of the weekend, but by all accounts, Schalke are kind of finished. Um, I know Seth uh, Vandenberg's injured from us, who was playing well for them. Um, mm. But Porto, yeah, like uh, Leipzig, Leverkusen missing that penalty, it, it must have just killed the game for them. But it's just odd. And sl- giving away sloppy foul after foul as well. Mm. But then Porto, Porto are just well, really well experienced in, in this competition. They're, they're always there or thereabouts uh, in the group stages. Um, and it, it showed here. Um, but Leverkusen, yeah, just, it looks like a hard season for them. Um, but hopefully for Xabi, it goes really well. Yeah, we, we certainly, certainly hope so. Um, I, I'd like him to do well. And, you know, things are not looking good for Leverkusen in that group at all, you know. Um Currently bottom now, um, uh, you know, one point less than Atletico Madrid. Um, 
yeah, Club Bruges are flying there. Um, and longer may it continue because we we certainly certainly want that. Um, let me think. Have we spoke about all the games and all the groups? I think we have. Yep, we spoke about everything. So guys, last little bits before we close this pod off. Your goal of um. Uh, your goal of the round and your Albi Moreno man of the match. The goal Ma- is Son because yes. when yes. it's just when it, your reaction is just a noise, that's the goal. So it just is. Albi Moreno man of the ma- man of the round. I will butcher his name, but it's Maccabi Haifa forward at Zilli because getting a double against Juve, regardless of Juve being dreadful, it's always nice to see history making moments like I am. No clue what high for a like at a club. We know some of the Israeli clubs are a, a bit dodgy, but mm-hmm. to, that's just a huge result and a history making result. So I have, I have to go with him. Yeah, and the crowd looked really, really, um, uh, it, it was bouncing, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, like, and obviously that would mean a great deal to them that, you know, the fact that they hosted Juve and they beat them. And that'll go, like you said, it'll go down in history. You know, people remember that for generations and they'll talk about it. Um, yeah, um, uh, save a complete for me. Although, I mean, like, you've gone a bit hipster. I was going to go for the full on obvious and say more luck because he scored a hat trick in nah. that minutes. Too obvious, especially, Too on a obvious. Liv- especially on a Liverpool podcast. That's a boring. Okay, all right. Fair, <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Point taken. All right, then, you know, I'm going to go to Timo Werner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going to give it to Timo Werner there. Stick it. Right. So, guys, we've come to the end of the pod. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I love talking to Guy Drinkle. Guy, before I let you go, anything you'd like to plug, anything you'd like to share? Um, on Fridays, I'm on two-footed with Dave, usually to predict Premier League games. Rate don't hit. I imagine we'll come back. It just the the games just take a toll <laughs> toll on me, and I can't be bothered to be honest. Sometimes, so if we beat Man City or we show some sort of fight, I will return with it. Don't hate, but the Arsenal game, I was just, I was just not in it. So I apologise for that, but it will return once, once Liverpool return. So blame, blame them, not me. You absolute pussy, not doing a rate don't hate because you don't like what you're seeing. Some of us have to, mind you, you have to produce raw sometimes, but exactly, yeah, some of us have to, after that, not even process what we're feeling and we have to get on a mic. Is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great, but yeah, guys, um, there's going to be some great content coming your way from Anfield Index, so do check that out. You know, there'll be an AI scouted, no doubt, about Man City. Um, to really get you in the mood. I'm sure there'll be a rival recon as well. There's always a mob beyond the spot here or thereabouts. And of course, all the post-match content as well. Um, Yeah, guys, uh, plenty of content coming your way because there's so much football. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Till next time, up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. 
Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.